We got a little juice. We got uh, coaching moves happening. We got two hires on one Sunday. And uh, right now we've got Pebble Beach is winding down. The Pro Bowl is over. Just ed- endless circles going on on Fox right now, John. I'm watching some NASCAR, the clash at the Coliseum. I think it's a quarter mile track, so I'm locked in on that. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube live, great to have you. If you're listening to the podcast, great to have you. After the fact, if you're watching after the fact, great to have you. Mike McDaniel just got hired as the Dolphins coach moments ago. Moments Mike Jones. Ago, Mike Jones. <laughs> Mike Jones. I, you, I'm oh wondering if Hightower God. got a little too aggressive with the job market. He could have, you know, played the two against each other and have you know, Kyle, who knows, you know, had like three people bidding for his services, guy. You're saying he could have forced his way to the Dolphins. I'm just Hightower. saying he could have had multiple general managers bidding for his services and that million dollar paycheck contract that I'm sure that's the going rate for special teams. I don't think people realize seven figures. What if he could have got 1.2? No state income tax. Miami, Florida. Crazy that the Bears stole him from the Niners, John. Shanahan has to be reeling today. When Albert Breer wrote uh, respected assistant and someone forwarded me, I refused to click on the article. Mike Florio wrote steal for the Bears. Steal. Yeah. I mean, I might have made that up, but oh. No, he said something. I think steals the wrong word. Maybe it was, I don't know. But it was something a little outrageous, the comment. Uh, well, it yeah. was basically like a, the agent text. He just he just copy and pasted it. Austin says, we got a photo for those of you listening of uh, Mike McDaniel. Sunglasses. This is back when he was on the field. Miami had to find the most serious McDaniel photo there is. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Is he taking? Well, was he in the, Was that. he in the booth all year? I don't know. Uh, I feel like a lot of the videos I saw were of him in the booth. Yeah, I definitely don't remember seeing him on the sideline. If you were Shanahan, you would want him in the booth, right? Yeah. Eye in the sky. He can see the same stuff you can see from the field. Saw a lot of Hightower, though, the guy. A lot of Hightower. Saw a lot of Hightower. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people. First of all, great to have everybody. Super Bowl week is here. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate your subscriptions. On, on the podcast. We appreciate your subscriptions on, on YouTube. We just appreciate your likes on YouTube. Um, we appreciate when you share this content with other people. Hashtag grassroots growth. We appreciate when you, um, uh, what is it called? P- patronize our sponsors? Because patronize is like a mean thing, but then it's also... Yeah, like Patreon when you pay for the use. Yeah, just go use our sponsors. That's, that's how we... <laughs> That's the best way to support us. <laughs> this show brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one, where, uh, you know, our, our season at MyBookie was kind of like this clash at the Coliseum, a track that had ended up us with going circles in a circle and back to where we started. Right now, the Rams, a four-and-a-half-point favorite in Super Bowl. It's actually when you log in, it's four, minus four. Down to four. I should I should keep I should start logging in. MyBookie.ag promo code HAM and the number one will there match that first deposit dollar for dollar up to a hundred uh, up to a thousand dollars. You can also decline the bonus if you accept the bonus. You have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. But either way, HAM one, let them know we sent you. You want some speed skating updates, John, or you want to talk more about the Super Bowl? I just do not. You won't find John Middlecoff watching one second of the Olympics. 
not because I don't, you know, enjoy watching. I just, I just will not. It just bores me. I mean, I, I does nothing for me in the winter. But betting on this game, mybookie.ag promo code ham one. I think the lock of the week. I, I'm all in Rams. I like the Rams like 38 to 17, 38 to 20. I, I love them as a four point favorite. To me, that number is about four or five points off. Uh, I, I like the Rams home game, game for whatever that's worth. They don't really. They don't have to get on a plane. Uh, you know, it's uh, you got to give them some. Just all their wives and girlfriends already live there. I mean, yep. it's, they it's live little, there. It's a little less crazy. Your uh, own locker room. Think about that. Just your own locker room. Are you sure though? I think the, are the no. Bengals the home team. But there's no I, way the Rams give them their locker room. No chance. Well, That'd I, I think. The, well, just based on the AFC NFC, you don't give anything. I think one team it just alternates, kind of like. Uh, but I'm sure the Rams locker room is nicer than the other locker room, right? Well, I know, but that it's not based on who. It's just based on the AFC or NFC. But what I'm I saying is, you just. I'm just saying it's not about a home or road. It's just we have our locker room, and then there's another locker room for other people to use. Yeah, but but the but the NFL takes it over, and I, I'm pretty sure. Again, I might have misread this, but it's the AFC's the home team. Could be wrong. Well, and my point is, it shouldn't be about a home or road. It's just Rams locker room. I should get my. That's if they don't get their own locker room, that's insane. Well, because it's not a Rams home game. It's the. But NFL. I'm not saying it's not a Ram. It's not a home locker room. It's just a locker room. I know, you know? it's shitty. It's shitty, but I, I'm pretty sure that the Bengals are technically the home team. Uh, yeah, the, so the Bengals will be in their locker room. That's insane. <laughs> I know. That's insane. Kind of makes me like the Rams a little bit less. But did so, Tampa host the Super Bowl last year? I wasn't. They did. Back? So it's like been back-to-back teams in the NFC got to play in their home arena, even though, or I mean stadium. The Super Bowl is not your typical event, right? It's very, very corporate. It's, you know, it's already the most expensive seat ever. But I agree. That's why these other things matter more than like crowd noise. True. I don't think the locker room is that big a deal. It would be a little jarring, I guess, if you've been playing there for a couple years. But again, nuts. it's it's not you're not the home or away team. Oh, I get it, I get it. But I'm just like, there's our locker room, and then there's another know. locker room. Uh, so, how did this season go as we lead up to the Super Bowl and we decide what we're going to do here? Sounds like put it all on the Rams, John. We started with 150 dollars each. Yeah, that kitty, as some would call it, uh, built to over four thousand or right around four thousand. I think we peaked at like forty two hundred. Forty two hundred. At that moment in time, we thought. You know, maybe we could buy well, we, Super Bowl tickets off our we, we We peaked twice. We did it during did the season, twice. and then we did again going into the the uh, NFC and AFC Championship game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, now we got like 950 bucks in there, I think. We had Chiefs in the points, Niners money line, and Niners and the points, Chiefs money line parlay last yeah. week. So those are three, two different, three different bets. And then uh, we all know how that ended up. Bad. We so that was $1000. Those were 3000. Those were $1000 each. So what do we have left now in the uh in the old My, my bookie's been acting weird when I've been trying to sign pool. in. I think it's somewhere between 9 and 950 bucks. Okay. So we should put all of that on the Rams what a, yes. minus 4 and a, minus 4. That, that's what I think. Now, if you want to bet the I I am not I I I believe to my core the Rams are going to kill them. Okay. Well, then that's what we got to do. But uh, I've also I also believe the Bengals were going to get killed by the Chiefs and fuck they they got Joe Montana Jr. My Bengals pick is more out of uh, what I want to. I want to root for Burrow because I do think he's Joe Montana Jr. I think everything about him. The more I watch the Montana doc, the more Burrow I see. Uh, I think that's the comp. But we, then we can wait. We can just I, we gotta we gotta use this, John. We gotta use this. Our domiciles 
Yeah. And not our hardest aisles. Take the emotion so, out of it, guy. Belichick Walsh style. Uh, you can also use the promo code HAM at DraftKings. DraftKings yes. promo code HAM. We're going to have, we should probably do a waste management game this week and a Super Bowl game this week in the Haber Minimilkoff DraftKings League. I'm in for whatever. No matter what you want to participate in, though, you go to DraftKings and use the code HAM to sign up. Yep. The stage is set, guy. Super Bowl 56. You can get in on the big game, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 56. New customers get a free shot at $1 million top prize. Big cast prizes as the stars go for the NFL biggest prize. Play Daily Fantasy is simple. You get 50K. You build your lineup. We'll put a, uh, a couple games out this week. Free shot at $1 million top prize. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Very easy to deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Uh, download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code HAM. Free shot at $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code HAM for a free shot to become a millionaire, guy. A millionaire mm. during the NFL's big game. Get in on the action only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 56. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, John, let's start with the breaking news of uh, the day. Mike McDaniel hired as the head football coach of the Miami Dolphins. Who would have seen this one coming? six months ago, right? Even three months ago, as Mike McDaniel's press conferences started to get a little more attention, there began this conversation. This guy's clearly smart. This guy's clearly likable. This guy coaches for Shanahan. So he's going to have a shot one day. I, I I mean, what could the odds have been if you would posted Mike McDaniel's going to be a head coach in 2022 a year ago? To me, the craziest part about Mike McDaniel becoming a head coach is – when Kyle first arrived, it was kind of like a tandem. Like he had a backcourt of these two little minions that were just supposed to kind of offensive geniuses. It was LaFleur's brother and then Mike McDaniel. And I would say that LaFleur's brother became much more of a household name because of what Matt was doing in Green Bay, right? So we're like, I bet LaFleur might just become a head coach. And remember part of the deal when he became the head coach is they blocked him. And then Mike McDaniel, they said, was a little quirky and his press conference was funny. You're like, you know, he's probably not going to get a head coaching job. Is he going to become a coordinator? Who even knows? Kyle loved him. Uh, they're clearly paying him a lot of money. But if you would have said a couple years ago, who's going to be a coach quicker? I would have said Mike LaFleur, who is now Robert Sala's offensive coordinator, that you would say is might be a year away from getting shit canned if they have another terrible year on offense. <laughs> and McDaniel, who just laid low, didn't call the plays, let Kyle be the kind of the maestro, yet clearly, and this is part of football, a guy like that is doing things behind the scenes that these guys swear by. Juszczyk told us the guy's a mad genius in the running game, which Kyle literally is known as a genius in the running game, and McDaniel's a run game guy. So it's not shocking today because the momentum had been leaning this way, right? It, it came down to two guys. It was him and Kellen Moore, and it kind of felt yeah. like McDaniel – We'll get into Anthony Lynn being hired a little bit later, but the moment he was hired, it kind of was like, well, Kyle's kind of got to reload the cupboard because that'd be back-to-back -back years of losing LaFleur and McDaniel. That's a pretty big deal. I think what's crazy probably in some ways is that uh, if I just said Kyle Shanahan's key right-hand offensive, right -hand, uh, offensive right-hand man, right, get, is a head coach, that would shock nobody. It's yeah. actually, in some ways, kind of shocking that this is shocking. And I think maybe part of the reason is that we hadn't heard a lot from Mike McDaniel up until this year. Part of the reason is, I think probably his press conferences, because they're so quirky, they're not like 
football guy necessarily vibes that you get from him. Even though um, he did play, he's a he did play college football. I mean, in the Ivy League, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I'm just saying, I when you really try and think about like why is it so stunning? It shouldn't be. Everybody that knows McVay puts his name in their press release, right? When they get hired, Kevin O'Connell just got a job. Lafleur, we know the Washington football team. This guy started as a a ball boy driving out to was it Northern Colorado football practices when he was a kid on his bike to go see Mike Shanahan's Broncos, and uh, Mike Shanahan eventually made him a ball boy. Mayoko had a I read Mayoko's article. I think Mayoko's article is old, but I read it on Saturday about kind of Mike McDaniel's start. If you just said Kyle Shanahan's right hand man on offense gets a head coaching job, no one would blink an eye. No. You would not think twice about it. What's part of what's wild, he's never called plays. Never called plays, right? Because he's Kyle's OC. As Kyle's OC, you don't actually call plays. Kyle calls the plays. I mean, a lot of Andy's guys never truly called plays. I mean, Bienemy does right. now, but remember Nagy didn't, Doug Peterson didn't. LaFleur Did Frank Reich call plays in Philly? No, he did not. He was uh, Frank Reich, but I, I, and I think he had before with the with the Chargers, I think. But now thinking back, Mike McCoy, who pretty sure Mike McCoy was an offensive guy, he was because he was he was Peyton Manning's OC. Yeah, for a year. So I, I don't know if he did in in uh, San Diego either. Sirianni had never called plays. It's not you know that a- abnormal anymore. Just because of how many. McVay, oh, Jay Gruden calling plays. Jay let him call plays, I think, for a year or two. So, you know, LaFleur, who's in Green Bay, now he left McVay to go to Tennessee for one year. But remember, their offense was pretty terrible, and it turns out that it might have been, you know, Mariota. Clearly, they had, they wanted to pivot off that, and they've been much better since they got Tannehill. But I, it's it's not as abnormal as it used to be, I, I would say, when you're just when you are working for the offensive play caller, right? Yeah. When you are working for, it used to happen with Bill Walsh. You watch that Montana documentary. I mean, a lot of those guys, I mean, Bill was the guy fucking dialing him up. Holmgren was sitting right next to him, though he became, I guess he got the opportunity once Walsh left and Seifert named him the offensive coordinator. That's, yeah. But I, 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 my, I guess my point is, though, and I bet Holmgren would say this, how much you learn when you are literally the right-hand guy and he's depending on you for what many consider offensive geniuses, whether that be McVay, whether that be Kyle, whether that be Walsh or Andy, right? Or all the guys that coached under Holmgren. And when Andy Reid got hired in Philadelphia, and I'm not comparing Mike McDaniel to Andy Reid, I'm just saying he had never been a coordinator. And a big reason was is the Eagles who, but them and Belichick love studies more than any fucking people you'll ever meet. They had done a study for like the last 20 years of if being a coordinator translates to head coaching success. And the study just plainly said no it, it does not it and clearly we see coordinators get hired we've seen the last couple years these coordinators get hired half of them are going to suck special teams defense or offense it, it doesn't matter so this notion Andy Reid had never called plays at the NFL level maybe he had been a like a co-coordinator in his younger days in college but it, it's not a to me a prerequisite to be leading men because clearly, I, I think anyone that had been around Mike McDaniel, whether it be Kyle or the players, would say, this guy's offensive knowledge, especially if you got like a 10-year vet who had been several places, would be just as good as anyone I've ever been around, right? Because yeah. that's the thing with Mike. He's a fucking genius. I think when we talk about guys having not called plays, we're actually not talking about the play calling. We're talking about the game management. Remember Sean McVay's first year 
why is Sean sitting over here on the bench not paying attention to the game? I think that's part of the question. I have less doubt that Mike McDaniel can call plays. The question is, how does he manage a game while he's also calling plays? I would imagine he's going to call plays, right? Is he going to just uh, skip it yeah, entirely? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would guess, yes. Uh, Johnny on the stream said, if you're Mike LaFleur, wouldn't you just try to go to back to San Francisco and jump ship with the Jets? Not a terrible thought. Not um, a bad idea. Not a bad idea, but... Could you like I mean, uh, a uh, Matt? Is Aaron leaving you? Because if he is, I'm not going to jump to you. I'm going to go there. Yeah, maybe I'll go to Denver. Um, but this is, I to me, the most the, the most Ky- Ky- guy. Kyle's going to have some return customers. I'll promise you that he will. He will. <laughs> the thing with Shanahan, we'll get to Shanahan. Is he is the water source for all the plants that feed, right? So he loses well, coaches, but he's the main water source here. Well, I think that what's so powerful about him and Sean is they've immediately become Andy Reid. Have they yeah. not? Because one of, thing of just people, you go there, you shoot like a fucking rocket ship to the top. Kevin O'Connell, good-looking guy, you know, had been a kind of in the mix. I mean, he'd been a quarterback, right? Yeah, like I mean, Jack he'd, been a, thir- been, a he'd been a third-round pick to New England, but he was he'd never really played, lifetime backup, but got into coaching. His life changed when he got involved with Sean McVay. I mean, it just it changed. The LaFleur and McDaniels career changed when they got involved with Shanahan. Like, yeah, I would say that the difference probably, right, is that McDaniel had been with Kyle for over a decade. I think for 15 years. Like, if anybody's been close to the to the water source. But he even it, goes back before Kyle goes to his dad, right? Goes to Mike. Yeah, I mean, he was on the Texan staff in 06, 07, 08. That was with Kyle, right? But I'm saying I, I think that thing where he got involved with Mike when he would go right. as a high school kid led to an internship with the Denver Broncos, I think, when he had graduated college and the relationship with the family. Like, yeah. You know, he just yeah. he benefited from g- just God having some things out of your control, being born in Denver, Mike Shanahan's in Denver. I mean, that was kind of unique. Yeah. He just but, – but my point is, have any of these guys been as long-tenured with the guy that they kind of branch off of? I mean, probably None not. of McVay's guys could have been. No. Well, a lot of McVay guys come from Kyle, right? Or, or Mike. Came yeah. from Kyle. Mike, Mike should get some credit for what happened in Washington, but yeah. Raheem Morse is now, you know, that's a Shanahan guy. What was Raheem? Did Raheem, was he in Washington? Well, he technically a group guy. He was a head coach and then went to Washington or Washington was before? Well, what, what happened was, is he was an assistant coach. Remember, like with the Tomlin thing with uh, under John Gruden. And then when John got shit canned in Tampa, they named him the interim head coach. And then right. I think they liked him and then they, they named they him the head coach. Job. And then he ended up getting fired relatively quick. But I that was I think pre-commanders, Kyle, pre-commanders, yeah. And I think what happened is Kyle, who was on the staff as a young guy, remember McVay had the same role. I bet Raheem was pretty young too, and they hit it off, and they've just been buddies. I mean, I think when you're in your mid twenties, you're not making any money. Whoever else is on the staff at the mid twenties, if the guy's not a d- douchebag, you just become lifelong friends with him, right? I mean, I know I'm lifelong friends with three or four of the scouts that were. We were all 24, 25, 26, not making much money, right? And we all could talk shit about the people above us. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. And, Grinding and, together and, on a and, Friday and, night. But part of this is just the randomness of like, wherever your first job is, who are you going to be around? And it kind of changed for some of these guys. Now, I also think where McDaniel's, McDaniel, you know, Kyle, when he went to work for Kubiak as an assistant coach, that wasn't your normal just like, I'm working for this guy. I don't know him. Like they were fa- It's like family. It's like working for your cousin or whatever. So when he's recommending guys to bring in, think of the guys that came in on the Houston staff, right? Sala, 
uh, old LaFleur and McDaniel. Like Kyle had a lot of juice slash Mike to get to Gary Kubiak to allow, like Gary could have brought in whoever he wanted. He brought in the, all the Shanahan crew. Right. Which changed all these guys' lives. The guy, they're all multimillionaires. Every single one of them. Multi-million. I mean, Kyle's probably the richest. He's been a head coach's longest and he's had several contract extensions. Robert Sala's $30, $40 million contract. LaFleur's making probably $2 million a year. Uh, other LaFleur in Green Bay making seven, eight million dollars a year. I would guess McDaniel minimum five and a half million. I mean, that's just the going rate for head coaches. You think Mike's gonna get five and a half million? He's getting thirty million dollars from the Dolphins. Fuck yeah! What do you think the going rate is for an NFL coach? Four, four, four point five. This ain't the Mountain West, man. Well, I know it's not, but who's the lowest paid coach in the league? Uh, who uh, that probably was David Kelly last year. What was he making? I'd guess five. That's just the. I mean, it's just a going. It's it, it, there are industry standards for losses. Well, I, I mean, I understand. I understand. I mean, he was making seven twenty-two million in the last three. So yeah, maybe. I mean, what, I, I I do think that 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 Pelissaro was a lie because that makes yeah, it's hard to like know what that seven. was. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I, I I'm telling you, this is not college. The minimum, the Tom Sula. Seven eight years ago was making four. I just think it's, wasn't Del Rio's deal like three and a half initially. But again, you're talking wasn't very low. No, I know, I know. I think the thing that, like, if I were going to argue your point, not even argue. Zach Zach Taylor might be you know a four or five million dollar coach. I wonder how much like was Mike willing to walk away from the job? I do think one. I think two is a positive for him in this job. In that, I think a. Not a bad quarterback, but like a quarterback that people are down on can work really well in your favor if you're a person in Mike McDaniel's situation. Because everyone's given up on the possibility that Tua's a star. I think the average person thinks he sucks. That's what and, Tua, and Tua does not like make or break Mike McDaniel's career, right? Like if Tua flames out, no one's putting that on Mike McDaniel. I think but if Tua can look like a starter, spot, don't you think the easiest landing spot is just like I get a year with Daniel Jones, I get a year with Tua. It's not even really on my record. Like I didn't pick him or draft him. He's already a couple years in, so everyone already has their preconceived narrative about the player. When you draft a guy, you have to make him a star. But when he's somebody else's guy that half the league has given up on, I think Mike McDaniel. I mean, this could be his sort of fingerprint here if he can turn Tua into a solid quarterback. And you could argue Tua. Now a few years removed from a hip injury that's pretty devastating. And, you know, maybe he was somewhat limited. Maybe that injury had longer effects. The way they pulled him in and out of the lineup. Who was calling? What was their offensive staff last year? Well, Flores had like three offensive coordinators yeah, they in had, two years. They had like Eric Studsville and co George Godsey and Eric Studsville were their co-OCs. And Charlie Fry was their quarterback's coach. Well, they're... they're you know, Waddle's good. Their wide receivers in Gasecki are good. So they got two playmakers. Their running backs are not good. Their O-line really sucks. Well, that's to me the knock. Their O-line sucks. Now, one thing with the Shanahan offense is it can make average offensive linemen very functional. I, I don't know if you noticed, Alex Mack is in the Pro Bowl. Like, listen, like the guy enjoyed his career, in no world is Alex Mack. Now, Pro Bowl, I mean, Mack Jones in the Pro Bowl, but it just... It can Alex Mack can function in this offense. Oh, they oh, I forgot they took the left. They took the uh, Liam Eikenberg, the guy the Niners liked. Oh, from Notre Dame. Yeah. What's his name from SC? Stinks. Who's his defensive coordinator going to be? 
It's a hell of a question. He could go just bold and name Kasurik the defensive coordinator and steal just steal him. Niners. I mean that that would feel like it would hurt worse than this hurts. Motherfucker, I made you. You can't take my guys. I made you. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those where Kyle's like, I will, I will tell them they should hire you as long as you you don't do that. Yeah, you get one guy from my roster, and these three people are off limits because he can't take D'Amico. But that Hightower, would be... he could, Hightower was on the list of guys. You know, like when there's a expansion draft and you leave a player. Un- every team leaves a few players unprotected. Well, it would go like it would go like this. It'd be like reports are the McDaniel is zeroing on Chris Kasura from the Niners staff, and then 24 hours later, reports that Mike McDaniel is now missing from the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that Mike Shanahan has volunteered to take over the Dolphins until Mike McDaniel resurfaces. <laughs> that would be bad. That's not allowed. So how much of a loss is it for the Niners, right? I mean, on one hand, it's hard to quantify because his responsibilities are hard to quantify for Kyle. Um, for if us. He were, I mean, I think Kyle knows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle knows. But uh, part of it would be if he did something like that. That would be devastating, I think, to the 49ers. Yeah. Specifically, Kaserik. Well, I, I, you know, I don't, you know... On social media, it felt really big. I thought it was a little overrated, the news. But you also had to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Anthony Lynn being hired, to me, wasn't just about hiring Anthony Lynn, who I thought was the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Uh, got demoted midseason, and Campbell took over. Yeah. But to me, that meant two things. One, you had to you know restock the cupboard because I think it was kind of clear to Kyle, we're going to lose McDaniel. And Anthony Lynn is known as a run game specialist. What he really thrived at with Rex Ryan back in like 09 and 10 for the New York Jets when they were fucking good. They had the number one defense. I think they were like the number one rushing offense. He was their rushing game coordinator. He, I don't love him calling the plays, but he doesn't have to do that. I didn't re- quite realize that like him and Kyle had known each other for a long time. And Kyle called him like one of his favorite players ever when he used to play for his dad back in the day with like John Elway. But also, I, I, you know, I didn't know if that was just purely McDaniel taking off or Kyle, the one guy Kyle took, if you remember when he was hired or brought with them. Remember the big story when Kyle was hired? Like, will he keep Tom Rathman? Tom Rathman is here. And yeah. he's like, well, I told Bobby Turner, like he was a lock to come with me and Rathman just bounced. But Bobby Turner, and I saw Barrel's tweet, 72 years old. So, you know, I don't know how many years left you have if you're Bobby Turner. Uh you know, he hasn't retired yet, but it could be a double whammy. I don't know what you thought about. That's that, that's where my mind went, that it might have been even more about Bobby Turner leaving because Anthony Lynn is a running back coach at heart and slash can scheme the run game in this offense, knowing what Kyle and the Shanahan and clearly just a family friend. They say one thing about this group is they're all pretty, they're, they're pretty fucking tight knit. This is a pretty tight knit family. Was uh, assistant head coach part of, Anthony Lynn's title? Yes, it was. So that, and that was Embry's title, right? Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the Chargers offense, like I think Anthony Lynn was in a unique spot year one with Herbert in that Herbert looked good. You normally don't get fired when your quarterback looks good. Your first-round quarterback looks really good. As you and I have discussed, his game management left a lot to be desired. Uh, it was uh, yeah. they had like six games that were just or the end of a half or the end of games like what is going on special team disasters I remember but he's clearly a good football coach and I remember watching Hard Knocks just an impressive guy and a likable guy. guy and like yeah. clearly a leader right so I think he's a great ad um, 
I, I think the thing you probably lose that with McDaniel that's hard to put your finger on, and you and I have talked about, like, who can tell Kyle no? You know, like, who was it that told him you're not drafting Mac Jones? <laughs> who can tell Kyle no? Mike McDaniel's on the short list, I would imagine, and at the top of the list of people unintimidated by what Kyle might think about what they have to say. And that's probably really valuable, right? That's health. That's healthy. Yeah, very healthy. Yeah, very healthy. Not that Anthony, Anthony Lynn has a pretty established standing in the NFL, right? These guys, there are guys that have a pretty established. Bobby Slowick's been around him forever. Wes Welker has been around the block, but I, I would imagine Mike could say some things to Kyle that he doesn't have to apologize for later, you know. And that's. That's really valuable. I mean, it's incredibly valuable. I, I, we don't know how to quantify it. Stop think, calling Toss Sweep, you fucking crazy asshole. When Kyle just switches off the headset. But, right? I mean, I don't think Kyle took a lot of uh, other people's play call suggestions. But as we talked about before he ran the Trent Williams third down play against the Rams that, got, that they lost to a yard on and they ended up in a fourth and a long two, Kyle had said on his headset to those to his offensive staff, guys, what do we like here on fourth? fourth down fourth and short maybe he said it before the second down play that's what kyle said so i think that's probably the part that's hard to quantify and this goes back i think to the constant conversation about who you hire I, this is why i want my head coach first and foremost if i can i'm not going to hire a worse coach just for the sake of hiring an offensive coach but i do want i do want my head coach more often than not to be the guy who calls the offense because you're just if your offense is any good, you are losing guys left and right. Well, it's it's my main issue. I I, I just I, I can't fathom hiring a head coach who is under like fifty years old and going, I'm hiring you because while the study that the Eagles did once upon a time was true, being a coordinator does not determine your success. Because Pat Shermer, both times he was hired as a head coach was an awesome coordinator. Remember how good he was with Case Keenum at Minnesota? They went to the NFC Championship. Then he was hired with the Giants, and it was like, oh my God, this guy sucks. And it happens all the time. It it, it feels like it happens a lot with the New York Giants, but it happens on a ton of teams. Defensively, too. I just do not get hiring Uberflus and going, we're hiring you because the Colts were really good at defense. And we think you're a good guy. And then you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to call defense. It happened with Sala last year. And then their defense is fucking terrible. It, it, it boggles my mind. But Uberflus is a good example. Well, they bring in this Getsy guy from the Packers. Well, what happens if their offense is good and Justin Fields becomes like a borderline Pro Bowl guy in two years? I would say Getsy is a 1 million percent lock to become a head coach, wouldn't you yeah. say? Yeah. But And that is the situation basically anywhere. But it's like, on- can you hire Getsy over Eberflus? You know, are you willing to do that? Like the Dolphins were willing. To well, almost it, it, higher it happen, ahead of the it, cycle. It, yeah, it happens on offense. You know, it happens when the defensive coach has the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's where if you just. Well, what I'm saying offense, is, you you almost have to hire ahead of the cycle, right? Like, well, that isn't that what Minnesota did with Kevin O'Connell? Yeah, and it's maybe what the Dolphins did here, and it's you know now the thing with the Bears is like is Eberflus is the guy you're. Okay, we'll see. It, 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 this is only a conversation with defensive guys because the offensive guy, the moment your offense is good, they. If D'Amico was an offensive coordinator, if he was an offensive coordinator, he 100% would have been a lock to be a well, head John, coach Well, John, if year. Zach Wilson all of a sudden has some incredible year two, they're going to need to find a new offensive coordinator for Zach Wilson, right? Because you think Matt LaFleur is going to get a job. He'll get a job. Does like it it's matter, Mike? I it's Matt. Too mixed up. 
Mike LaFleur is the head coach of the Packers, right? Or is it Matt LaFleur? Now I'm mixed up. Yeah, I think Matt. I think Matt. Matt is the coach of the Packers. Packers. Yeah, you're right. Was he, he was coaching today, wasn't he? He was. It was weird. I thought it was a flashback. I'm like, why Why am I looking at Matt LaFleur right now? And threw, I, I, saw, I, I looked up at one beard. clip and him and uh, him and Russell, and I'm like, well, he's used to diva quarterbacks. I bet mean, he can handle this little uh, Pro Bowl relationship pretty well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't I'm know why I get my LaFleur's mixed up, but it's just, it's. I do give the Dolphins credit on if you want an offensive coach to be your coach. Well, they, it came down to the two guys. They were both offensive play callers. And honestly, it didn't feel to me like the idea that Kellen Moore. Kellen's Kellen Moore, plays. Kellen was a lock head coach a year ago. And then it got kind of weird this year in Dallas, right? Dak was kind of hit or miss down the stretch. If Dak, if their offense had been more explosive and they beat the Niners, is Kellen getting this job? Is it easier to sell yourself on going, this guy's seen, especially this year for the Niners, what they overcame? Like he he can come to an interview pretty like knowing Shanahan's life, right? What everything he does, but then also going like what we went through this year. I know how I've taken all these notes of how Kyle handles these different situations that work, that have had that have won us four playoff games the last three years. Like, I, I've seen all these scenarios. I've seen it when we're good. I've seen it when we're not good. I've seen us battle back. I actually think he brings a lot more to the table than, like, Kellen Moore would in an interview on just being able to say what I've seen. And this is where I think he's 38 years old. I, I, I'm i a big believer that, like, age is the most overrated thing. Your experience matters. Like, Mike McDaniel, for a younger guy, has a lot of experience. Think of all the shit he's seen. He could go, like... You know, this one thing that we fucked up, me and Kyle have been talking about forever in the 28-3 loss in the Super Bowl. I, I had this play for him, and we pushed back, and then we went with another play, and then we thought, like, he can just, he's got some pretty unique experiences. When we had RG3 and Kirk Cousins, we thought this. Think of all the things that he could just bring up in an interview for NFL circumstances. You know, when Matt Schaub first got there, we we knew he could do something, so me, Kubiak, and, uh, and Kyle, we built, you know. I mean, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. I mean, he's a very experienced young guy. I would say his sobriety in the same way we talked about the Raiders this year through tragic circumstances and difficult circumstances, having two team leaders, Darren Waller and Max Crosby, that have been through some real shit in life. I would imagine here you are now walking into, I would say, what is a little bit of a controversial situation in Miami, or at least the Dolphins have controversy to deal with, right? It's not really going to fall on. It's not on Mike McDaniel's desk to deal with whatever comes. But there's just noise out there with the Brian Flores lawsuit. There's noise out there just with Tua. There's noise out there because your team's not as good as people thought you should be and your quarterback. Like, there's just a lot going on. And here's a guy who's been through, like, real life, a real life um, situation. We got sent to rehab while he was coaching. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I remember at the Super Bowl when Atlanta went, that was a big story. Yeah, uh, they this they had, you know Kyle and I think Dimitrov deserved a lot, like like help save his life. I mean I don't know if he was going to drink himself to death, but just his career was headed the wrong direction. And I, I actually ended up on a clip. I think the Niners had put out maybe a couple years ago of just like five questions. He I mean he brought it up. He's like I'm, I don't drink. Now he I don't think he really got into the depth of the details of why, but I mean he's, I would imagine he did in the interview. One hundred percent. I think it's something he can be very open up and proud about. Yeah, you know. Yeah. This is this is a pretty big moment, I would say, for the 49ers. Back-to-back years, getting two guys head coaching jobs with a third that you could argue on paper might be the most, you know, a guy that played in the NFL for a long time, kind of feels 
a little Vrabel-y, you know, just like D'Amico Ryan's going to be a head coach. I That's a fucking lock. Mike McDaniel to me was not a lock. No. Robert Sala became that. D'Amico is a lock. McDaniel might have been somewhat maybe um, helped by the circumstances, right? Where Miami had a GM, so you're not getting a guy who wants all the power. And then Miami became a little weird. And so maybe you do cut out some of the top candidates. But who else was in the mix? It felt like Mike was been in the mix before the Flores thing even came out. Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. But I mean, Flores got fired. Like that in and of itself created an opening where yeah. it was kind of an odd opening, right? It, it was a, it was the shocking firing of the year, right? I think the, the other part of it, the other loss, um, just from a personality standpoint, I think Kyle probably with players at times is a little more loose than sometimes he looks. But clearly McDaniel is just a a part of a positive energy. And and maybe maybe that's where Anthony Lynn's personality also helps because Anthony comes off as a guy with just life perspective and you know a good feel for what an NFL coaching staff and locker room and player relationships are supposed to be. But clearly Mike was a positive on the coaching staff from a personality standpoint. It was just a unique guy who was, you know, like when you talk about the room that you have, like personalities on anybody's Anybody's quote unquote teammates, whatever job you have, personalities matter. The people you work with matter. Well, what one thing you would say is with Kyle, he is going to be very susceptible to losing. If they, if the 49ers continue to have success, losing offensive assistants to become head coaches, because they are going to come to him and McVay fast if they keep winning. And if their defense plays well, as it has the last three years, he's going to lose defensive coordinators. So he he's going to get pillaged on both sides. Look at McVay this year. Raheem Morris was is Raheem Morris now kind of like a solo? Like he's even he got a couple interviews this year. It feels like he's going to be more in the mix next year. You know, you just you're going to lose your whoever your Kevin O'Connell, your Mike McDaniel is. And then if your defense plays well, and those type guys like physical players, right? I mean, I give McVay credit. Like he's going after Vaughn Miller. Jalen Ramsey, like the kind of guy Kyle might have missed, but Javon Kinlaw, we saw him. We're like, I, I get it. <laughs> like they're just going to lose. He's going to get pillaged on both sides. I mean, it ha- key- but it, but it happened to that's just success, right? It happened to Andy for years, losing offensive guys and defensive coordinators. Well, it's what's crazy about some of these trees, like the Reed Gruden, Andy Holmgren, team or two, Shanahan, like these Niner trees. And who did Andy lose? John Harbaugh, once upon a time. Oh, some of these trees. I do think you put enough guys out there that just by sure the volume of guys that you put out, one of them will get fired and come back to your staff. Some of these staffs, guys never return. They just Shanahan was good, Holmgren was good, Andy Reid was good, Gruden was good, Mariucci became a head coach. Then was like, yeah, I'm good. Goes the you know, like it's incredible how many guys. Normally, one guy gets fired and eventually he's back on your staff or something like that, and you can cycle them through. It happened with Spagnola, you know, was on his sweet Eagles teams, goes to the Giants, you know, because he could, they had Jim Johnson, and then he kind of cycled back years later, right? And now has been a good defensive coordinator. For yeah, that's him. true. So it's part of when you, when it happens to you young, if you can, if you can maintain success as Andy Reid, you are going to just be an open net to like, would it shock you if Matt Nagy goes back? You know, it's just, that's a little quick, but. If Kyle does this for 15 years, they're just going to be some cycle guys coming back. Yeah, yeah. And you I would mean, say that, to me, the, I'd have the jet circled if that bad boy might not last long. No, no. You're saying Robert Sala replaces D'Amico Ryans? You could also say the, the history of the – you could also say the history of the Dolphins. 
I mean, if McDaniel lasts more than three years, that to me a pretty big upset. Not because he might not be a good coach. Just that fucking place is just people go there to get spit out. This is a fascinating coaching situation. Just the Dolphins now. When you say the division too, like I mean, the Bills are a powerhouse, and Belichick's just better. Yeah, his team is. Well, I can he can he elevate his quarterback? And who's he picked to be his defensive coordinator? Because that was the one thing you said with Miami. Like, they're going to be in a bunch of games because Brian Flores knows how to coach. Like, he's not replacing some slappy coach. Well, they Brian weren't good on offense. They were tough and physical and kept games low scoring. Yep. Should he just rehire Brian Flores as defensive coordinator? <laughs> with a mustache? Ryan Torres has <laughs> now become his DC. Ron Mexico? Ron Mexico? No, what was the one we heard the other day? Bobby Trees. Bobby Trees. Bobby Robert Trees Woods. is... Bobby Tree is a good name. A real nickname, but it's good. I mean, it goes back. The other thing on Kyle is just it's, you know, player development. It's coach development, too. You know, can you replace your own coaches with guys who speak your language and know how to do what you want? Belichick's philosophy has been, I'll just do everything myself, and then it doesn't hurt when people leave as much. But one thing you got to give Bill a lot of credit at, I was watching Brian Dayball's introductory press conference, and he's like, you know, my, my career started in the NFL when Bill hired me in 2000, and he hired Brian Dayball, Josh McDaniels, Brian Flores, some of the clips, and I, I started watching Man in the Arena. Brady's like rookie year. I mean, one of the youngest guys on staff is Mangini in the background. He's like yeah. a quality control guy. He just, he didn't hire, you know, guys that were already established in the league. He found just Mc, Mike, Mc, like 10 Mike McDaniels. Yeah. And it'd just be interesting. It's hard to do, but fuck, Bill did it over and over and over again. Now, a lot of them didn't become good head coaches, but they knew how to work for Bill. They thrived, which is and the he key. gave them like legit roles, right? They became coordinators and special teams coordinators, and he just like that is going to be the next iteration. You know, Andy did it forever. Sean McDermott, Brett Veach is you know these guys that started as these the lowest level guy and just kind of built them up. Part of it is you start getting the cream of the crop reaching out to you, right? And Bill had. I wouldn't say it's lucky. He just get, they got in on the John Carroll tree. So all those guys were all friends and played with each other and they just hired, you know, their buddies all just happened to be Brian Dayball, Josh McDaniels, uh, Ziegler, Casario. Like th- that team just happened to have like seven guys that all aspired to work in the NFL. I don't know what Kyle's little, t- where they come from, but he's got to find it, right? Stanford? I don't know. I mean, where'd Questy come from? Private finance? Yeah, they just found him at a, a, one of the tall skyscrapers in San Francisco. <laughs> I, I, I do think this. When I, I got lucky to be hired by Andy Reid and just the Eagles, I just got to know their guy that came through Philadelphia very well. I do think from a coaching standpoint, though, people get very aggressive with going, like clearly people. a young guy wants in with Bill Belichick. A young guy wants in with Andy Reid. I think a young guy is going to want in with Kyle and McVay. You'd be crazy not to, right? You'd be insane to not be like, hey, 24 years old, I just got done playing at Weber State or Cal Poly. I aspire to be a coach. Fuck it, I'll do the shittiest job I I want in. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Maybe I just got done playing at Alabama. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying if you live on the West Coast and you aspire to be a coach, and you're in your early 20s, I, I would every single day try to meet them in the parking lot. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I've gotten a few DMs from people. I don't think there's any uh, shortages of uh, people trying to be Kyle Shanahan's uh, right-hand man. I would imagine that it's... 
I think it's not even West Coast related, right? If you're going to well, Harvard it's, it's, or Yale. It's not. It's national because all these guys, you know, Mike McDaniel's got a friend who has a young guy, right? I mean, you all have connections. I'm just saying, like, if you – Juice. Went, Kyle Juszczyk has a guy. But if you were a backup at Stanford that wanted to coach, you were a backup at, like, UCLA or USC, you do just have the geography of being able to drive to where they're at, maybe. Right, right. Like, ultimately – Sean McDermott was a PA guy. Brett Veach played at Delaware. Like they had the geography working for them. You know, you, you do have geography. Now, the problem is Cal and Stanford. Like, think I'm going to make 20 grand at 22 years old? I'm fucking, I'm going to go to Google, make about 250. Niners still might hire you. That's true. Brock still might like you. So, uh, John, before we get on to uh, some more, let's tell the people that this show was brought to you in part by our friends at sleepnumber.com slash. Ham. John likes a real soft sleep number bed. He's around a 30, 31, 32. I like my bed a little firmer. My sleep number numbers, it's been 60 before. It's at 58 right now. But sleepnumber.com slash ham. Get your sleep IQ. Uh, get your sleep Get your sleep score. Get your sleep IQ on. And uh, get get ready for 2022. I mean, we're here. How, 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 have you been, how have you been sleeping lately? I've been sleeping. I slept Saturday, Sunday. And I'm not a big sleeping guy anymore. Both days up at nine o'clock, and it was just—I I feel incredibly refreshed. You, you, you're talking to sleep in. You slept in till nine, but I went to bed probably like ten, and I just slept yeah. right on into nine. I got the best sleep I've gotten in six months these last two nights. Mm. Oh, just on my you're sleep cutting out, you're bed. cutting out that caffeine at, at uh, cut out four the caffeine in the afternoon. I, I put the phone on the uh, on the nightstand, and I, I, I whenever my hand would try to reach, I'd slap it. Say leave that alone because you don't want those 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 UV lights, you know, coming to those eyeballs and waking your brain up. Uh, it, it really helps, and I, I just you and I have been sleep number guys for a long time, and it, it changes your life because when you sleep better, you are more productive at whatever you're trying to do during the day. And you know, we got a lot of young professionals listening to us. So if you're in your 20s and you think you can get by, I'm telling you, better sleep. Just follow man in the arena, Tom. Like sleeping matters. And uh, the better you sleep, and the sleep number beds are just absolute game changers. I'll tell you one little thing that's made a big difference for me. Sounds like uh, uh, old man uh, operation, but a good a little afternoon walk, especially when you realize you've been inside, you're watching tape all day, grinding the L22, and uh, you know you're sitting. Just a little, you know, even if it's 15. I mean, if it could be 45, even better. But 15, that's fantastic. Uh, whatever gets you going. Shake, shake things up a little bit. Helps you be sleepy at night if you get regular exercise. I think having your body ready for sleep, John, is a big part of good sleep. Okay. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Podcast also brought to you by Indeed. Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed.com slash ham. It is time to put your Pro Bowl squad together. Okay. If you don't have the right people on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed, elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure that you are hiring MVPs. And indeed.com slash ham. Sign up and get a $75. Credit to sponsor your first job post now. Well, guy, everyone's looking to hire people right now. And instead of spending hours, and I mean hours, 
on multiple job sites, hoping to find candidates with the right skills you need. One powerful hiring partner, our friends at Indeed, can do it all. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. How do you beat that guy? How do you beat that? You don't beat it. You don't. It's a great way to hire. So starting right, starting right now with $75 job sponsor job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Offer valid, offer valid through March 31st. Offer valid through March 31st. Just go to Indeed.com slash ham to claim $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash ham. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. You want to let it out again? Yes. Hi, Tower! What a shocking development when I woke up out of a very good sleep this morning to the news that Richard Hightower has been hired as the Bears special teams coach, John. What a coup for the Bears. They pulled it off. You got to give them credit. Wow. Yeah, man. I uh, is this Is this – one of the smoothest moves in the history of coaching, uh, you know, Jenga. What, what would be the you know movement? Jenga is a good it. one. Yeah, yeah. It's just a uh, Ruby. Uh, what's the one where the uh, Tetris? The moment that the the punt block happened, which is it doesn't. You know, we've tried to figure out a name. It's just one of the more iconic punt plays. block touchdown. Punt block touchdown when your offense couldn't score on the road, Green Bay, negative five degrees to beat Aaron Rodgers and the number one seeded Packers. It it really the more I've thought about that game, it's it's helped make like losing the NFC championship game, a game that was very winnable, easy to stomach. Now, listen, Hightower in a vacuum was god awful this year. Their special teams was terrible. They were clearly one of the worst units. And does he get credit for the Green Bay game? Of course. But as it turns out, they were playing the worst unit, right? Like, you, you get – he didn't just fucking outduel Tiger Woods in his prime. He beat a guy that, like, had – was swinging with one arm. And he beat him. And Hightower deserves credit for that moment. And they, the couple that – he also blocked a field goal at the end of the half. Like, it was a great game for him. But I had come to grips with – as fun as the Hightower screaming has, be, you know, kind of went – become a thing that he was probably going to be back especially when i guess i had heard today or read today that part of their friendship from the university of texas is richard was a walk-on too so there was like a special bond these two guys anytime you know people like you and i knew people we knew each other in your teenage years there is a bond that it's much harder to get when you meet someone when you're 35 or 45 or 52 that doesn't mean you can't create very strong bonds the older you get but part of the reason Mike McDaniel and Kyle probably are so close is they've known each other for so long at a young age. And it's just as you get older in certain professions, egos and money and all this other shit comes involved. Like, I understand why Kyle probably likes this guy. He's friends with him. We're all friends with people. And it's why it can be complicated sometimes in certain industries to do business with your friends. Because he was kind of at the point where it's like, is he going to fire him? Because that's, you would say any other place, right? When a coach just hires another coach, and I don't know you beside a coach-coach relationship, he was he, he's a fireable coach. He had been here four years. It was trending the wrong way. And they were they were the mark all season long. 
And for as awesome as the two playoff wins and even the NFC Championship was, he almost single-handedly, him, was the reason that they didn't even make it to the dance. Right? It could have easily been Sean Payton maybe would have had to retire a week or two later because he would have been coaching in the playoffs. Right? Yep. So for them, and the agents run the deal now to get this guy a job, and I listen, we don't have the information here, but it's is it fair to say that Kyle Shanahan was a huge reason this guy got a job? Like in the I mean, it feels like um, Lane Kiffin getting the FAU job because Nick Saban didn't want him on the staff anymore. Right? Yeah. Feels very um, Saban like. Doug Marone has not been officially hired anywhere, is no longer with Alabama. But they, they're not going to report Doug Marone has been fired as the offensive line coach. They don't do that. Right? It's. Uh, Hell, I the Niners didn't even announce John Embry had been fired yet. I haven't seen anywhere. Have you? I mean, it's out there, but do the teams Niners generally announce that sort of thing? I don't think they do. I think they teams usually put out. We have a relief. So thanks for your time. Us. Yeah, I mean, I he'd been there four years. Know. Feels a little weird to me to do that kind of stuff, but maybe they do. I, um, I think this is half of the move. The other half of the move is who do you get, right? The other half of the move is what do you do next? But we can talk about that in a moment. I think for the Niners, it's. It felt like he was going to be back because there's no way I'm going to put this guy, quote-unquote, on the street if you're Kyle Shanahan. And, like, there's look at it from the other side. There's no world in which the Bears are going, we need a special teams coach. Who do we hire? Let's get Hightower. Now, maybe he, 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 had, he had coached there before. So, you know, there is the world, right, where Eberflus is like, I don't know anybody. And the Bears go, we got a guy. He's much better than his numbers. He knows he he can handle Chicago, you know, from like a specialty. Like it does take a guy maybe who's been in some bad weather to coach special teams in Chicago. I don't know. And we're telling you, the the Niners will let us have him. The Niners aren't going to block him, and uh, he'll be good. He'll be he'll be fine. He'll be good. He'll be better than his numbers were last year. We can fix that. But yeah, maybe maybe that's the world. But it does feel like Shanahan because at the end of the day, Kyle could have prevented this if he wanted to prevent it. Right, Tim uh, Richard Hightower didn't just become the defensive coordinator of the Bears. He went from special teams coach to special teams coach. So nice. you know, Kyle can say whatever he wants. Like we know, he he could have stopped it if he wanted to stop it. They fired him, and they didn't have to announce they fired him or slash wear it. Like ultimately, John Embry, who kind of went viral. I think the Flores thing was hot and polarizing. Honestly, bothered me a little bit. It's like they asked him to take a sixty percent pay cut. Yeah, he was a tight end coach making $1.5 fucking million dollars. $1.5 million. That's insane. That's nuts. But then what did they do? They well, and assistant that, head coach, right? But then they used That's that money. But I'd be like, what the hell is John Embry doing? It's just a title because they were buddies. Like, I don't think, like, I didn't feel the vibe there. Like, what the hell is John Embry doing? Well, then they used it and got Anthony Lynn. Like, Anthony, if you put them both on the free agent market, every people would rather have Anthony Lynn on their coaching staff than John Embry. So they upgraded the assistant head coach with... <laughs> and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to talk shit about tight end coaches. Known, known a few. It's the easiest position to find a coach. It just is. It's a lot of, you know, like right fielder in Little League. Uh, it's where I played. You just throw your shittiest player out there. It's usually where you put your shittiest coach. Yeah, your shittiest and, coach. Or when you have, I, I've seen it a lot, I think, in college where it's like, I've got a D-line coach on my staff. And then my buddy, who's also a D-line coach, just became available. And I got nowhere to put him. So I'm going to yeah. make him my tight ends coach to get him on my staff. That it's happens a, a lot too. It's a stash spot. So stash, stash spot. 
I think there's a and rap song called Stash Spot one time. Probably. By One so, Shadow. A small group out of Chicago no one remembers. Good Bought song. their record on the... Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the song. I get, might not be One Shadow. Bought their tape outside of, uh, outside of uh, Wrig- Wrigley one time. <laughs> no, no, no. C- Cincinnati. I think they were in Cincinnati. Anyway. So, I mean, we might have to send that tape to... Uh, I, still got the, I still got the record somewhere. One Shadow. It's a good album. But, but circa like of, 2003 well, part of this though is the hard part and you just you watch the montana documentary if you listen to the belichick book i would say that those guys were known when you say most most ruthless head coaches ever who were also successful it would be walsh and belichick right they, they feel like they're in their own category of being like kind of cutthroat and you know kyle hadn't really had to do that yet like this was he was kind of at a moment where Kind of had some cutthroat moves. Now, because he was friends, like maybe he didn't give a shit about John Embry, he was not going to throw just fucking Hightower just out to fend for himself. Well, he might have had to, well, he might not have had, right? He might have had to do, like what he didn't want to do was demote him and give him a pay cut to make him, you know, if the alternative was no one else is hiring Hightower, was he not going to keep him on the staff in some capacity? Belichick's demoted guys over the years, right? Saban has. Yeah, I've seen college. You've seen it all the time. A guy gets promoted from uh, – Kyle Whittingham cycled through 15 offensive coordinators. Some of them are still on his staff. They just got promoted and demoted again. Yeah. Well, he's a really good old line coach. Why would I fire him from being an OC if no one else is going to hire him as an OC? I'll just make him my own line coach again. Kind of genius. Like, it doesn't always have to end badly, right? So – Sometimes that may, it's time maybe for a that, change. Maybe that was the alternate. Well, I mean, when you're 27th in uh, special teams, no one's talked about special teams DVOA until this year. But And, and it, to me, it wasn't. I That number didn't do it justice because I bet some of the other teams that were in the mix beside the Packers were just shitty teams, and you just watch shitty teams play. They do everything shitty. It's like the Niners were playing in these important games, and because of Jimmy Garoppolo so tight, his units were constantly fucking them. And, a week and it late. was and it was clearly they had isolated him and were attacking him relentlessly. And there was a moment. Part of the reasons the Cowboys came back is because they ran one of the easiest fakes we've ever seen. He's like, well, we called it punt fake. Well, you call it punt fake. Josh Norman ran back like he was like he was taken off to Laredo, Texas. It made no sense. He's like, it's on me. No, well, yeah. What are you guys coaching? Part of Belichick's whole thing is like you're coaching it or allowing it to happen. And that simply means like you are going over this stuff in practice. Like you you went over punt safe in practice. Everyone has their role. And I think the thing that was so jarring with Hightower, e- either the Niners players are morons. I think it's pretty clear the Niners have a lot of smart guys. Or you are not communicating what they should do. And it's just basic stuff. And we, hopefully we'll never have to talk about special teams this negatively ever again because it kind of bores me. But just catching the ball on the five-yard line having no one over in certain places the the effort being kind of shitty it was just it was all around and then all the trick plays just getting hit left and right were outrageous honestly if it wasn't for the green bay game that might have been the worst special teams year for for a competitive team i've ever seen now green bay fans would be like well you didn't watch our guy and i'd be like yeah you're probably right (laughs) well the report is that that they like pisaccia that the packers like pisaccia rich pisaccia former raiders head coach um, and we know that uh, the Giants' uh, former head coach is out there and available, Joe Judge. Now, I think, you know, like special teams is one of those things that becomes highlighted only when it's bad. 
Basaccia got himself attention this year because of you know the job he did as a head coach more so than the job he did as a special teams coach with the Raiders. And Bay Area teams, college and pro, I know the Raiders aren't a Bay Area team anymore, tend to cycle through coaches quite a bit. Like coaches clearly like that. Oh, I got a spot in Moran. I'd love to stay there if I could. So I don't know what boat Basachi is in. And the Packers would obviously be, you know, working for the Packers is no joke. But I do think part of what we're talking about here, remember what Dante Whitner told us when we asked him about special teams. One of the things he said was he went back to what we all remember from Jim Harbaugh's tenure, which is the best players played on special teams. Not just the best receiver was also a returner, but your best linebackers were cover guys. There's Bowman. There's Willis. Right? Those guys played on special teams. The Niners don't do that. And I go back to – we've gone back to it several well, times. Where, where did that guy learn that from, right? Brad Seeley probably learned it from Belichick because they played their top yeah, guys forever. And Belich- it's right. Belichick does it too. And well, I, remember, I, I go but back – But Seeley worked for him, right? I mean, that's yeah. – Seeley learned special teams from Bill Belichick. Like that, that was Jim Harbaugh's special teams coach. I think part of this is Shanahan. Um, I said at the beginning of the season, like Kyle, when they drafted Mitch Wisnowski, said loud and clear, basically, I don't care about special teams. He, he said, I hope I don't have to watch punting for the next 10 years because he watched some punting to get ready for the draft, and they draft Wisnowski. You know, I think part of this is maybe an opportunity for Shanahan to maybe just reinvest a little bit in, in special teams in his own mind. Because what do you always say, right? You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. So this is partly on Kyle to fix, and we'll see if he does. Well, to me, it's a double whammy. I think 100% he just needs, whether he hires Rich, he needs to get more involved. And when I say more involved, like emphasize it to the team. Have the team know, like, if you play for New England, you know to your core, if you fuck up on special teams, you get cut. And we saw it this year. No one cared about anything. It just, there were no repercussions. And two, I even think it's bigger than Kyle. I think this is an organizational moment. You have more money than the Green Bay Packers. You have an unlimited amount of cash. Think about what Rich, I was watching, uh, I had the Pro Bowl on TV too. They were interviewing a punter who had a big mustache. What's the Raiders guy? The Raiders extended a punter and a kicker this year who a couple years ago we had never heard of. Think of what Rich did under his watch with the Raiders. He left them in his tenure, obviously helped them this year get to the playoffs, but with a star punter and a star kicker. which Because mo- most people, when it comes to punters and kickers, unless it's this San Diego State guy or the occasional draft pick like Wisnowski, a lot of guys become stars as undrafted free agents. Guys, you and you, even if they're coming from Alabama or whatever, you don't even know about them until you, they get to your NFL team. Rich left the Raiders with two guys making high-level money relative to their positions in the NFL. So I know this guy can specifically, because ultimately, you know, it might be a little easier because the warmer weather team, how long can Robbie kick for? But, like, I'd say... How often? How long do you want to be paying five, six million for a kicker? This guy can make an undrafted kicker a legit player, and this guy can find me a punter who's not making much money a legit player. But I mean, Richard Hightower doesn't get any credit for Robbie Gold, so why are we giving Rich Bisaccia credit for Daniel Carlson? Just because Daniel Carlson was more of an unknown, was not an established veteran? Like, aren't we talking about with Richard Hightower? We're not talking about the kicker and the punter. We're talking about coverage and returns. But I'm saying that like he can immediately help you save money in this area. Like, yeah, Robbie Maybe, Gold yeah. was a well-established guy from before Richard Hightower ever showed up in the NFL. My, my point, though, is like Rich brings more to the table than just obviously the, the cover kicks, like just big picture. You're going to have to – you're going to start paying people big money. I can't be paying my punter and kicker 
a combined seven, eight million dollars. I need to find some undrafted free agents. I know for a fact Richard can identify these, or I mean, uh, Rich Piscaccia can identify these guys. I think you're probably right, but if I was going to play devil's advocate, which I'm kind of inclined to do here, I'd say I think the special teams coaches, his real value comes in coverage and return scheme versus, you know, not getting out coached in those spots. Well, 100%. Versus, versus the, the production of the kicker, who tends to be a guy that works on his own and has his own personal kicking coach and all that kind of stuff, and probably produces independent of the special teams coach. Nah, more I so know, than – than co- I, I, I mean, to me, when I'm talking special teams, for the first thing that comes to mind is, are you, are you able to cover and can you get returns? Do you know how to hit your trick plays? That kind of thing. Well, when, but before we even – I would agree there that ultimately the Niners, if they really want this guy, which they should, they'd be crazy not to, and Kyle's worked with them before, so they've known each other for 15 years – you can pay him more money than the Packers can. Well, point my blank, point is like if we're if we're talking about Richard Hightower DVOA, the Giants were eleventh. The Raiders were twenty first in special teams DVOA this last year. Yeah, but I mean, most people I don't even know what that means. I just no, no. But but my terrible. point is like again, I, I, I is 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 Rich Pisacci better than Joe Judge at special teams coaching? Well, I mean, uh, do you want Joe Judge? Not really, no. <laughs> I don't either. I don't want anybody starting any fights in my office. Yeah, just uh, I, I'm sorry, Joe Judge. But like, I'm just I saying the Joe idea Judge. that Rich Pisaccia is like some unicorn special teams. Coach. I do think he's widely considered him and the Andy's guy Tobe for, in the league for 20 plus years of being one of the better guys. A little like like Rod Marinelli, the defensive line coach, just widely considered the best yeah. defensive. On a given year, he his unit might not be top 10 in sacks or pressures, but it's just like. Why, you know, fuck, Tiger Woods has a down year. Again, harder to me. A lot of stuff's out of your control as a special teams coach, wouldn't you say? I I would say more than an offensive or defensive coordinator, you do get the scraps. I give him a lot of credit. This is where I can truly judge him. He took two guys you'd never heard of and made a max punter and kicker. Like, I give him credit on that one. I just do. Because he was one of John's big hires when John got the job. It was like, I got to have this guy. Him... And then he hired Mirinelli. Like, these guys are old. They know what they're doing. And he's just a high-level guy. Like, I just like having high-level guys on my staff. Yeah, I mean, that's my point. Is like, the number one thing that's made Rich Passaccia attractive this year is just we got to see him operate in a really, really But I'd say even before before that, I think his just universal approval rating in the NFL as a special teams coach was extremely high. Which I say would be a little rare for that position. There's like three or four guys that. Well, I think that. part of it that's rare, right, is the good guys. There's no real because they don't get promoted by and large to anything else. They don't really move around that much. The really good ones. Well, he had basically just been with Gruden and Jason Garrett right before. And yeah, there's really Gruden. no reason where are they going. Well, they just pay you a lot to just be your special teams coach. Don't go to college. You're not like, oh, I'll go to college and be a special teams coach. Well, well, one thing that's going viral right now. Viral would be strong, but I just. I just see a lot of people bitching and moaning about like, why won't Russell Westbrook change? Why won't he play more defense? Why won't he start? You see last night, there was a three-point shot in the corner. The whole place screamed, no! And he shot it. <laughs> this It just went viral on my timeline this morning. It, and this guy retweeted. He's like, I've been watching the NBA for 20 years. I've never seen a home arena scream for a guy not to shoot. Uh Part of it is like I, I think it's fair to assume Kyle has some Russell Westbrook in him. He's not just all of a sudden gonna. It, it's easy to be like, why doesn't he just care about more about special teams? He might truly not give a fuck and never will. Which, if that's gonna be his one weakness, I can live with it. Then you gotta spend you know 
four-year, $8 million on a special teams coach. And if, if you think Rich is the best one, do it. If you think Joe Judge is the best one, I yeah. think Joe, little risky, uh, because part of his success, you would say, in New England, like Bill is a special teams coach kind of at heart, too. So. Right. And it just felt like the Giants were just full of special team type players. Like that was their whole roster. <laughs> the one thing I'd say, yeah, easy to put starters on your special teams when no one's impressed with your starters. The one thing I'd say for Kyle, I do understand. I do understand the hesitance to put special teams players or to put starters on special teams when you've had the injury problems that the 49ers have had in recent years. So I do get that. I, I do that I'm aspect. Not, of I'm like, not even a huge proponent. Not putting Aziz Al Shire on coverage, I get. Yeah, I, I, I'm not some like guy banging the wall of like, you checks got to play all the teams. <laughs> can, can we sneak Kittle in? Like, no, I'm the opposite. I like putting my shitty players in there that do not play offense or defense, that just dress for special teams, and having my special teams guy get the most out of him. Why not? Uh, why not? You know, try to find like your Matthew Slater. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think you're. They got to figure out who their returner. That'd be also at the top of the list for their new guy. It's. Pick a return. Can we pick a returner, please? Well, you got to. I mean, I saw that they're already going to be in the mix. Cordero Patterson's a free agent. A lot of people are going to want him, right? <laughs> Two Debo's on one team. Well, he already said he wants to stay in Atlanta. Why would they not want him back? I, I don't think it makes the Niners probably couldn't afford him. Well, they don't have. It wouldn't they, make sense. They don't have the luxury of giving a guy like that six, seven million dollars. No, what no. they need to do is use like a find in the fourth round. Just get a return guy who can also cover. Just get a guy, a universal special teams guy. That's what they need to do. To me, that would be number the one of the things. If I'm John Lynch telling my scouts, we need to find that guy. But yeah. I can't find that guy. Ultimately, one guy that plays a huge role in the draft guy is the special teams coach because you don't draft special teams type players without him having an impact. So in right. fairness to Kyle saying that he didn't give a shit about Wisnowski's kick, <laughs> I think a lot of coaches not named Bill Belichick would. Yeah, he just said, I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah. Well, he's going to have to because Wisnowski. Well, was Richard Hightower's pick Wisnowski? Because I – Wisniewski's not, we would say, not a weapon in the way that you would want your punter to be a I, weapon. I, I think he's gotten worse. Feels like his leg is... Wasn't he a powerful guy? I thought that was the whole thing. He was like a powerful guy. Yeah. Just... But my know, point man. is, like, if Wisniewski, if you're going to move off him and you just say Robbie is just getting up there in age, now he's still playing well and kicker does feel like you could probably do that a little bit longer. Yeah. But do they want to be paying a kicker five, six million dollars? Well, here's the thing. I mean, they, with Trey Lance... We'll see what it looks like, but I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have to pe prepare yourself to be in some amount of close football games again where special teams matters. I, the goal is that you're not playing in close games every week, obviously, but you do have to prepare like special teams is going to really matter this year. You know, I don't. Who knows how many interceptions does Trey Lance throw? Um, every, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to throw a bunch. I'm just saying a young quarterback is an unknown, so you got to button down the thing that was your biggest weakness this year. Well, Rob Robbie. Paying him four million dollars this year and his dead cap's five point five. But as someone, a couple people DM me when we talked, we talked about uh, Tannehill. You know, a lot of these guys' dead cap <clears throat> often gets cut in half if he is traded. Though you still like Tannehill's dead cap wouldn't be fifty seven; it'd be like thirty or twenty eight. But that's still an astronomical number. So it, you know, maybe the five point five if you could trade Robbie Gold goes down to like two. I'll, I don't. Know. I'll tell you, yeah. I'm not when you've got a good. I'm not all that interested. Robbie Gold's on the team, but, yeah. but he he is a he is an unrestricted free agent. Robbie Gold's going to be 40 years old this year. 40. So he, he might just be rich enough. He could just retire, right? Not this year. He'll play the $4 million. I'm just saying yeah. he's a free agent. Do you think? Do you expect if Robbie has another good year, 2023, 41 years old, he's kicking in the NFL? 
Feels unlikely. Wait, you you think he's he would retire at forty one? I, I mean, like, how many forty two year old, forty one, forty two year old kickers are there? Just he, he. But if he plays at this level, you'd say he'd keep going. He's playing. At, how many? Unless he just wants to quit and go to Chicago, hang with his family. So you think he'd keep playing? Is you're saying? No, no. I, I'm saying I, I I would just generally bet forty one, forty two year olds retire from the sport. That's what I'm saying. Like it could be his last year. It is the one position where you you know Vinatieri who's for I mean, sure better. And, you and you could on this push team. It. On this team, it's like, man, you got a chance to win a championship, right? But I, but I'd also say this: like, if I was, let's say, you know, they have a good year, Robbie has a good year, and in in you and I are his representatives slash money guys, and he's like, you know, I'm thinking of retiring. I'm like, well, hey, Robbie, you got 40 more years on this world to do whatever you want. You know, the the Dolphins or the Jets, are, they're offering you five million dollars to kick. Like this, you know, just once you get out in the real world, I promise you, there aren't just many five million dollar jobs like this anymore. If if you if you can get that, replace like, AJ Feely, or just do whatever. Yeah, who knows? You know, there there might be a team that just willing to be like get him if he's good, still give him four million dollars. But that will not be the Niners. Is my point, yeah. right? This is Robbie Gold's. Well, last the guy they hired the now will—he'll be in charge of finding that next guy. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, John, let's tell the people about BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com/slash/hampod. BetterHelp.com/slash/hampod. Well, right now you get started today and get ten percent off your first month when you use the code HamPod. Well, actually, you don't have to use it when you go to BetterHelp.com/slash/hampod. The promo code HamPod will automatically be applied. Yep, guy. Uh, listen, you know, we get annual checkups on so many things, right? Uh, our body. Uh, supposed to. You're supposed to. I, I'm not good at it either. Our, t- our teeth. I actually just went to the dentist a couple weeks ago. Hmm. We do chores regularly, some of us, to avoid big uh, messes. But I think going to therapy in our, in our mentals, as Marshawn would say, is something that we're not very good at keeping up with. And uh, that's where betterhelp.com slash hampod comes in because – is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Uh, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. But as we've said before in this podcast, it's all over online. And if you don't want to see face-to-face, you don't even have to turn on the camera. But you, you do not have to leave your house. You do not have to sit in a waiting room. That can be very uncomfortable in these situations. I, I get it. I've sat in those waiting rooms before. Uh, BetterHelp.com slash HamPod. Customize online therapy. That's what it is. So is there video? Yes. Is there phone? Yes. Live chat sessions with your therapist? Yes. So like John said, you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. You invest in everything else. Invest in your mind. Betterhelp.com slash hampod. You get 10% off the first month. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash ham pod anything you share is confidential it's convenient it's professional it's affordable uh you can go to the website just go to the website right now betterhelp.com slash ham pod new testimonials are posted daily on the website 10 percent off your first month b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash ham pod betterhelp.com slash ham pod prize picks is america's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. 
It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. Barrels just had a tweet guy <clears throat> that uh, because you and I were talking before and I've gotten on, I'm on so many text threads of how does this comp picks work? And I'm like, honestly, I don't even get it. I just know you don't get an unlimited amount. Like, if you get seven minorities get hired in the same year, you don't get like, you know, 14 picks. And as you said, they traded their Sala pick, right, in the Miami Dolphins trade. One of their Sala picks because they had a Sala pick this year and a Mayhew, Martin Mayhew, remember, pick in 23. So this year in 22, this is what Barrows tweeted. They have their own second round pick, right? They don't have a first round pick because the Dolphins have that. They have their own second round pick, which is pretty shitty, pick 61. They have their own third, which is 93. And then they have a comp pick with this McDaniel. So they don't have a Sala or or Mayhew pick, but like you said, the Mayhew pick is in two that is in twenty-three because it got pushed back. You can't double dip. So their own second, their own third. They traded the <clears throat> Sala. This year's Sala. They, they traded but, Sala, but, yeah. But they get a McDaniel. They have their own fourth, their own fifth, and some seventh comps. They'll have a Mayhew pick in twenty-three. When's their other do they have a do they get to double up a McDaniel pick in 23? Because you get two picks. That's where if you did it like last year, I, I would say that you probably don't. Uh, we'll have to do some more details on that. Three comp max. I would say the McDaniel thing isn't anything. Is not, it's not nothing, right? You get an extra third round pick. Now it feels, their draft feels a little less shitty. They have a second and two threes. Because at least those threes are at the end, but you could package pick 61 in the comp McDaniels to maybe get up to early three if you really like a player. Maybe get a corner. I'm already thinking. Yeah, I mean, Wagoner said confirming via league services 49ers get compensatory picks in 2022 and 2023. Thanks to Kirk on the stream for pasting that in there. So they might have multiple comps next year with Mayhew and McDaniel. Because it got it got spread out, I remember, when the, when the Saul of McDaniel, because everyone's like, do we have eight comp picks coming? <laughs> I was like, right. no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And well, a GMs are are, are are GMs two picks or one one pick? 
Was Mayhew G- one pick? I, I, just I thought because I thought I got a GM and a head coach are the same compensation. So I Mayhew thought. was one pick just because they couldn't double up on four with. Yeah, because that's what Sala. we had thought. So you get two threes and then two threes next year. And that's not the way it happens. McDaniel's. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, what do you think about taking both threes and the two and going up to round one? Both comp picks. That's I wouldn't do that. And your two. You, at, oh. You're, you drafting a for what? Round. Yeah, another for lineman. I'd take another shot at a lineman. <laughs> just, just draft players. A corner. You just drafted two last year, but not, you know, not in the first. Yeah, usually the sweet corners go relatively high. Yeah, in the top. 15. Or you just get, or you just get very lucky, like find Sherman in the fifth. Well, I mean, uh, Patrick Sertain was there to be had in the second. You're at the end of the second round here, right? Patrick Sertain? Wasn't it Patrick Sertain that they traded back and could have had in the second round? Who was the corner they traded back and could have had? Didn't Sertain go in the top 10 last year, Trey Lance? Who was the the second round current corner? That's also somebody's son. Oh, oh, uh, no. It's uh, it's, uh, the dude I was with, the Eagle, Asante. Asante Samuel. Yeah, you could have had Asante Samuel's son. Yeah. Thank you, Julio. Just all these number twos and ju- seconds and thirds and juniors and well, everyone wants to play wide receiver, so the only guys playing corners are when their pops play corner. They're like, I'm telling you, you <laughs> like Dad, why do I have to play corner? I'm like, son, you're going to be the second guy on their board. Yeah, Genius, and also really. there's five, there's 15 receivers and two corners. Check out the hierarchy of payments. Corners get paid, and you don't really have to tackle; just kind of dive at their feet. No one gets you on your case for a drop. No, you don't even think you can catch anyway. You yeah, play we'll receiver, to, you better catch the ball. We'll, we'll have to get a more thorough breakdown of all those compensatory picks. I guess does your so you, you lose? to me to me given that they're end of the third, it's a little not not relevant. I would say it'd be a really big talking point if they were like seconds. But the third is like it's sweet. It's it's an addition, but it's not like game changing. But it's not I, nothing. No, I think it's just more shot, more throws of the dartboard. You know. Or I was watching, um, I was watching uh, uh, cornhole on. Uh, I watched a little cornhole on Saturday night. <laughs> I, I I just hate that game. I don't know why. I love that game, and it just happened to be on. I remember. I, I think a basketball game I was watching might have ended or something. Oh, I don't. Was, I don't hate watching. I just I, I'm not. I don't love playing. You don't like the game. I like the game. UCLA and ASU went to like two OTs. I watched that game. It ended. I'm like, oh, there's cornhole. Like, what is? I wasn't watching because I wanted to watch. I just watched because like, what the hell is like? How is this on television? I swear to God, they're like, anybody can compete. This is in Vegas. They're in like the finals. They're like, Bethany, it was two women playing two women. Like, Bethany, she's a manager at a Taco Bell. And then she just picked the game up a year ago. And now she's in the fine. Now she's in the tournament. I'm like, oh my God, you can't do that in any other sport. But one thing, if you play cornhole sport? or beanbag toss, you usually get three bags. They've got like Acti- five. Acti- or six I'd call it activity. Well, I did actually turn to listen. I'm like, isn't it crazy? This is on ESPN. I would, none of these competitors do anything. Like, there's no weightlifting. There's no, uh, you know, they're not running up the hill. Jerry Rice's hill. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're just working on their. Yeah, they're just working on their toss. Are they? Are them, they like, drink? Are they drinking when they're? They're playing? not drinking. They're not drinking. But they do. The the broadcasters do say things like, "Oh, she's going to try and cut it in there. You know, to try and loop it around like there's the other team's bags in front of the hole. She's going to try and cut it in. You know, she has a natural bit. She has a natural cut. That was said. She has a natural cut. Anyway. 
I do think the board, it just gives the you board, one throw. Are they, most boards that we play kind of look universal size, the one they're using. Yeah, the hole. distance. It might be a little further distance. It was hard to tell, but part of it I hate. I'm terrible at that game. That's that's why I really hate it. Uh, but my point ultimately is that it does just give you more, you know, more throws to the dartboard, where it does feel like you're basically your fifth. I mean, it's like, are you who are you getting? Are you getting Trey Sermon? Are well, you but getting? You, but at the time, like Trey Sermon was like, oh, they got this dude from Oklahoma and Ohio no, State. A hundred percent. I'm just saying, like, you're, these are 50-50 picks. So just the more, you right? Ideally, they're fifty. I mean, like, they drafted I, a guard in the second day. round that was a that was a scout team starter all season, right? That's a win or a loss. <laughs> That's a fucking huge L right now. Yeah. So 50-50 on a good day. These picks. These picks probably aren't really 50-50, right? They're like they're like 30-70, 35-65. They also so, potentially have another addition coming, which we'll talk about over the next month, named James Garoppolo, right? I don't I don't know where he's I don't know. Fall. Schefter said during the Pro Bowl that everyone's just assuming it's a guarantee he's getting traded. It's like, okay, he, Adam. He said that. Literally said that. Everyone's like, we're, assuming we're not playing it's just this a game lock. Again. No, it's I, a, I, I actually thought, like, topic today? And then I said, no, we will not insult our listeners and our viewers with that topic. Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're basically doing the same playbook as last year, though it made more sense. This one, like, part of the topic was last year. could be back. Because part of the topic was last year, right? They will not budge off their first round asking spot. So they basically were like, yeah, you can buy my you can buy my condo guy, but it's $1.8 million. It's like, well, no one's going to fucking pay that. Well, the next year it's like, hey, John, you want to leave? You know, I was like, well, cut that bad boy by a third. <laughs> Take it. Like, that's kind of what it feels like the Niners. I will be stunned. If there's a, a tangible or even report from Adam, not conjecture of like they are saying it's a second or nothing. Like we're open to listening. I think that to me, it's like call. We'll 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 uh we'll, we're having a Jimmy Garoppolo dinner at the combine on Wednesday night in Kyle's room. Doors open. We'll we'll, we'll provide the food if you're interested. Swing on by. That's what it feels like this year. Buffet bids from. We used yeah. to get Jewish deli, this Jewish deli in Indy, uh, these Reuben sandwiches delivered that ha- that Howie and Andy loved, and they were fucking pretty good. <laughs> He's like, we-, we will have the Reubens lined oh, up. God, it, so it, it gets delivered about 6.30. Come on through. They'll that make them good, here, right? actually. They'll make them in the hotel room. God, that sounds so good. I've never been... The Reuben bread can be no, no. miss. Oh, you're talking about the rye? You're not a big fan of the rye? Or excuse me, the rye. I, I mean, if the if the sandwich is so good, I, I don't love the rye taste, really. But I know it goes on the sandwich, and if it's done right, I, I can live with it. But I'd rather just have, like, sourdough or something. I actually don't love the sauerkraut. I prefer, like, a, a, a roast beef, like a really good roast beef. Give me some Russian dressing, some coleslaw. You like, you like the rye bread? Uh, no, I mean, the true Reuben is, like, a stack of meat, rye bread, no dressing. And I'm like, oh. I don't want like no, like it's dry. Like it's just, I need a little yeah. more, but I'm in with theory, you. the Reuben is just gets me in the mood for a deli sandwich. And that's really where my head's always at. Yeah. So you eat one of those. I mean, you, 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 you could be, uh, you could be, you know, butt sitting in a chair for a while. You're not moving. No, that's an instant nap. I mean, th- that's about it. That's a snack. Thing about a Reuben, that's, a snack a Reuben, for, that's a snack for Andy at the fucking combine. A Reuben, no matter no matter how expensive the sandwiches are, a Reuben's always set like nineteen dollars and seventy five cents. Like, well, it's a it's three quarters a pound of uh, of meat, so we're gonna start. It's not turkey, so we got to start there. Aaron Banks has taken over for Tomlinson. Niners need to get younger on the O line. I I agree with this. 
seeds that? Is that? The flavor seeds on the, the rye seeds. bread. It just it just give me the rye, your old bag. What was it called? Miller's Deli. Oh, Miller's Deli. R.I.P. Go on under. Uh, yeah, just turned into like a a it turned into a Mexican uh, slash pizza place. Do you think Fieri has done a lot for a lot of just independent spots? Has to America. Have. Yeah. Because yeah. I never would have gone to that place if I hadn't seen him there. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh, anyone who lived in San Francisco between like whatever years those were. Have you ever pre- used it when you've been in random cities? Just typed in. I don't know that I have. No. But you see places. You know, you watch the show. You're like, oh, that place looks cool. See if I can track that place down. I did it in Philadelphia one time. I just, you know, in the off season, we'll just hit a spot like a month or something. Yeah. From the show. Well, you could just type in, right? He could just list the area and the different spots he's hit. This mm. was eight, ten years ago, nine years ago. I bet now it's probably pretty easy by region. You know, just hey, I'm in, I'm in fucking, uh, you know, Reno. Boom, he'd been to two spots. Yeah, because I never watch it and think like I wouldn't eat that. I always never. think like I would eat that right now. I've always thought like you pay to be on the show. You think? I mean, it's pretty good advertising. He never goes like, ah, not that good. Might have been a kind of organic at the beginning. I, I would imagine it'd be worth it to pay to be on the show. Maybe they don't even need to. I don't know. Yeah, and if you're him, uh, how many people? How many people do you think reach out to them? A lot, a right? million. So you probably got to a point where you could you could do that. Uh, who watched the Pro Bowl today? The annual tradition of complaining about the Pro Bowl. It looked like everyone agreed to two hand touch that game, though. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights. Uh, anybody I had it on my, I had it on my second television. <laughs> but I thought it looked good. Been pretty Actually, similar for a couple years now. Yeah, I mean, every year it's like it's never been this bad, and I think it's been unwatchable for a long time. I don't know if you saw somebody posted a photo of like Matt Millen's special face mask for when he played the game with a broken jaw back in nineteen whatever year. Uh, so that world has changed. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised that they kicked off at Vegas at two, you know noon. Like I turned, I was just had it on a second TV. I needed something to watch, and the Pro Bowl was on. I was like, "Wait, these guys are in Vegas," which kind of crazy. I, I did watch a little bit of the skills. It's cold in Vegas right now. If yeah. I'm these guys like Miami skill, is warm. I actually like that Mac Jones. Did you see the Mac Jones skill thing where players are like defending different holes? Did you see no, that game? I didn't. No. So it was like a mat. There was like this big board. It had different size holes in it. And a player from the other team, it was like Quandre Diggs or one of the Diggs brothers, one of the 12 Diggses that are at the Pro Bowl, is like trying to like play goalie, basically. And Mac is trying to guess which way they're going to go. And he tries to throw it in a hole. And that guy can block it, which is actually kind of dangerous for their hands. But uh, good game. Seemed cool. I, I saw one like, uh, you know, like precision passing. Russell dominated it. He's like, mm. boom, boom, boom. Did boom. Brady not go? Uh, no, listen, I, I'm not, because the game is such a joke, I'm not going to make that big a deal of it, but kind of a joke that Mac Jones is in it. I mean, it's just like, I once you get to that level, I, I can't take your game seriously. But there are enough other players, like when you just have the game on, there is like Debo and Justin Jefferson and all the sweet guys running around too, so it's it's hard to totally shit on the game, but like Mac Jones is there because Josh Allen was like, yeah, I'm injured, I'm out. I saw him tweet that like two weeks ago. And then he's fucking playing golf. <laughs> and I don't blame him, but that's kind of, I mean, Josh Allen would have been easily one of the biggest stars there. He's like, I- I'm, I'm injured, need to rehab. And then he's slamming beers with Keith Mitchell on hole seven. He did a jersey swap with Keith Mitchell. <laughs> that's a pretty good, if you if you are the player, it's pretty sweet to get paired with him. Yeah. He's terrible. Hell yeah. 
It'd be fun uh, to be a friend. Because he'd I, be like, hey, Keith, uh, you in town? Come to the game, right? I'll leave some tickets for you. Absolutely. Like Huey Lewis? <laughs> exactly. Let me put him in a song. Uh, for those of you who watch the Montana, the Montana doc, it's fantastic. I finished it on Saturday night. They were the background of uh, whatever um, that's hip to be square. I, hip to be square. I, I don't know a lot about, but uh, it was pretty cool. Huey Lewis is talented, man. How about I, I the Bel- Huey did Lewis? Did you get to Belichick guy. talking about Huey Lewis? Uh, I don't think I did. No. Uh, Niners are going for the three peat Giants Niners NFC Championship game. I'm after this. I'm just after the the back to back, and they're just kind of they're in oh, okay. Hawaii. They're getting just drunk with Huey, just having the fucking time of their lives. Huey's like the live concert, but then there's a clip of Belichick. He's like, "You knew it was going to be a bad day when you saw Huey Lewis and the Bad News do the anthem," and just doesn't crack a smile at all. Was he making fun of them? Kinda, and like he was just like you know, basically saying we hated them, we hated their song, we thought the whole thing was soft. It was like the he didn't say that, but that's kind of the. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, we were four, five, six years old. But like when Huey, even some of the players, like you knew it was a big game when Huey'd be out there for the anthem. <laughs> you know, it was like Huey was just. Really, in hindsight, how did he not do the candlestick? Farewell. I was, th- I was thinking to that too. Like, how, why, where was Huey Lewis that night? Did he like declare his loyalty to Joe? It's like Joe. Joe told me not to show, so I'm not going to show. To candlestick. Wasn't Joe there that night though? Was he? I thought he showed for that. I thought, but I could be wrong. I, no, I th- no. Joe was at like a Tulane football game that night. Remember? Oh yeah, like said he wouldn't come. And they, they like oh, Eddie, con- con- scheduling conflict. Didn't Eddie beg him and say he pay? Or him maybe or not that night. Maybe it was the night before. It couldn't have been a Sunday night, but was that, that game, game was Sunday Monday night. night. Yeah, it oh, was Monday like night. over the weekend. He just said he couldn't make it, and Eddie was like begging him. The story came out. I wish Huey would have would have played. Tip to B square. Those guys were the background. How cool was that? It was Incredible. Ronnie, Dwight, and Joe. Joe. Joe's like, the song got better when I started lip syncing. That's I guy I was I had had a few pops and I, I watched about every Huey Lewis. Like Huey was very, very I you know, in American Psycho, uh Christian Bale drops that. And I I I, I don't know. I mean I'd never listened to Huey or whatever. I actually earned a lot of respect for him in that documentary and then watching him. Like he's he was like they were like an acapella group. Like they, were, I think they it's hard. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I think it's hard to get to understand like music out of its era. You know, like stuff looks cheesy or stuff is like how did it? You know, it's like really get like I think it's hard to, to like appreciate music. Not all music, obviously, but some music outside of its era. I think my, my dad, my dad loved Elvis more than any human you'll ever meet. And if you think about it, like if you're 18 years old in the late 60s or mid 60s when Elvis is just a rock star. Superstar, you just you like them forever, just like people that we like when we were young. You just like forever. Now you can yeah. get acquired taste, but how could I ever? Huey at the time with Montana, can you imagine how big of a deal they were around here? <laughs> right? Like if you just ask Niner fans that are fifty six years old, Huey Lewis, like, oh Montana, yeah, we love Huey Lewis, but you just uh, like them. A lot of people in the chat said Huey uh, does not is not doing well health wise or has uh, a. A vocal issue, a medical issue. No, what what happened is I actually stumbled upon this. He started losing his hearing, and you know when you lose your hearing, it messes with everything. But I, but this in 2014 or 13 when the candlestick thing happened, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that happened the last several years. But I, I know he's in bad shape. The article that I googled, because I had the same thought. I was like, God, that would have been sweet. Even though boys, the man, I'm, I'm not going to complain. No, that was also sweet. <laughs> we were there. It was great. They were missing I, a member. 
they were we've had some good we were at the Giants game. John and I were at a Giants who was it Giants Nats or was it a Yeah, I think it was the I think it was like the best of five for NLC run. NLDS. Bryce, and Bryce, hit, Bryce hit a home run where we were standing. Right. It went like 700 we, feet. We didn't have seats, right? We were kind of standing room only. We were just walking around, fans, not media style. And we just ended up on the club level, just standing like standing at the top level. And the next thing you know, they're like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to lead us in uh, Can't Stop Believing. He's Steve Perry. And we look down, and he's a row in front of us. And they just put him on the video screen, and we're just standing behind Steve Perry as he sings Can't Stop Believing. You don't have that You don't have that video, do you? You know, I got it was like four iPhones ago. I got to go. Too. It was saved, but I don't I don't know where it went. I got to look for it. That's a good that call. That is one moment that I think about. It'll just pop into my head maybe once every other month that I'll be like, how did we not document that moment? He was right guy. We could have t- grabbed his hair the whole game, and then all of a sudden he just starts singing Don't Stop Believing." that I don't, you don't have to be from the Bay Area. It's one of the fucking most memorable songs in the history of songs, and the fucking guy is just rocking. And he got, he flipped a switch, and it, <laughs> it had to feel like it was 1975 and he was rocking, didn't it? You remember it the passion incredible. that guy had? Oh, my God. He was <laughs> he like yelling so at everybody else to get going. It was sweet. Now that would have. That we, we I got a hunt for that video. That that thing would have got us so many retweets into that. You think? Imagine that thing. If we had only periscoped it, that was pre-periscope. That was cool. Uh, speaking of cool, how about this? One of the all-time great shots. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'll just tell you it's Harold Varner from a hundred feet for eagle to win the uh, Saudi International. Here we go. The Tommy Fleetwood, Fleetwood. <laughs> the caddy hug was also a highlight. Do you know? Do you know what I'm sucker about when a big moment happens, and the guy that does it has someone jump like he doesn't jump into someone's arms. Yeah, someone jumps and, and goes little kid style on their body, Kelly Stafford style. Yep. Yeah, what that caddy did. Now you know Harold is you know running back, wide back type body. That caddy jump is that was pretty cool. Uh, Harold was what he needed to birdie that hole to force a playoff with Bubba Watson. Bubba had started the day six shots back. Two putts, he's going to extras. Two putt, but two putts from a hundred is no gimme. Yeah, no gimme <laughs> right? at all. No and he all. eagles. He uh, he putts. He putts this from off the green. Right? That's not the green. I mean, the green yeah, he's on. Green. He's on the. I saw a background, uh, like an overhead. He's he's on the fringe for sure. And uh, he's wearing his Jordans. And he's wearing his East 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 Carolina, right? He's a yeah, he's East Carolina, Carolina yeah, purple. And um, you know, the other thing I was just doing, Sabrina, about this shot, which is just insane, because he wins what nine hundred thousand to win the thing. I mean, I I, I Saudi's got to pay pretty big money. <laughs> I assume it'd be more, but it, I think I read nine hundred thousand. But here's the other thing: it it might put him in the Masters. He's you got to be top fifty in the world golf rankings to get into the Masters on March. 28th is the day that they use for the Masters. Top 50 in the World Golf Rankings. Make Automatic qualifier. Yeah. he's He was ranked like 99th, I think, coming into the week. Yeah. And that put, that win puts him in the top 45. So he's sure. never won on the PGA Tour, but this a World Golf event does help him get into the Masters. Well, I mean, he's got... 45 days to hold on to your life. Yeah, it's a long... I mean, do you just stop playing? Like, you can't do that, right? Well, I just think there's too many events. You know, there's like Riviera. There's the Waste Management. How do you... You, you got to just Oh, yeah, we got, 
We got West Yo. Waste Management and then Genesis is right after that, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, Tiger going to be there? I would imagine, don't you think? I would think so. I mean, he already he already played with Charlie. It is the you know the year that that was a pretty crazy moment that morning when people thought like, is Tiger Woods die in this car accident? Yeah, that there are just this goes back to your music thing. There are just things in life that if you one thing in the Brady doc they talk about nine eleven, it's like it'd be hard to describe to like a fifteen year old kid like that morning and that impact, right? I, I remember being a kid when Columbine happened at Pi, at uh, Holmes Junior High, and we all went out to the middle of the quad, and then we all got sent home. And there, you know, there are just different events when people, you think people die or someone does die, that it's just that moment, Tigers had a, several of them, but that one and the Elon one in 09, this one I think, people thought there was like, is he dead? Is Tiger Woods dead? And, and then, then you it, saw the, the pictures from TMZ, you're like, oh my fucking God, he might be dead. And then on top of that, it was like, A, is his career over? Then there was the question about, has he, and I hate saying this out loud, but did he, is, was this a substance issue again? Something that we thought maybe he'd conquered, right? Yeah. Like there was just a lot going on there, even once he was alive. We had just seen him two nights. And, and the injury, again, like there are injuries that are just devastating, awful injuries. And we thought maybe he had suffered that. Well, do you remember the couple days before? I had a big bet on Tony Finau and Homa beat him in the extra holes, but Tiger had come on with Nance and remember how like weird he looked and people yeah, were like, what is up with Tiger? Remember he looked terrible, looked bloated and kind of his eyes. He, I think it's still kind of a meme of Tiger's face with him just with Nance and people were like, he is not looking good right now. Yeah. yeah. It was like, he ain't close to playing. <laughs> uh, Mr. Superfly on the stream says, remember when Kobe died? That was fucking brutal. Yeah. Was, yeah, I do. I mean, just over two years ago, which is crazy. See, they put a statue up of he and and uh, Gigi at the site. When we were, when I was in LA, we were hoping to go to the sweet places in the Orange County, but I guess Larry's buddy wasn't there. So we had to just, you know, hike it up toward uh, Magic Mountain and just play this other country club. And you go through the hills. We were driving through and you realize like, if it was foggy, those fucking hills are huge. Like where he was kind of helicoptering through. I don't have a great feel for just the LA layout. I just, I, I haven't spent much time there in the last decade. I remember when I was driving through scouting, you just, it, it, the it feels like it's much easier. Again, maybe we're biased. I just understand up here. It's just bigger down there. Just all the different towns, exactly where they are, who's north and south of what. Don't you feel like most people, even if you're from Southern California, you got a pretty good idea, like Oakland, San Francisco, Sacramento kind it of feels like Southern California layout. maybe just humongous. That's part of it. People like always explain it to me size. where yeah. Do you feel like you have a good layout of like where Calabasas is to where Manhattan no Beach clue. is to where Never know. You, but people you, down there always, you know. Yeah, they know like the back of their hand. That's that SNL sketch about the highways, you know. The Californians. Yeah. So Kobe, fuck. Super Bowl week, John. Yeah. A little, get a little underwhelmed? Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder, it does every It doesn't really feel like it. Do you think that's because... Uh, do you think everybody feels that way? I mean, I think the Burrow storyline, second year... You lose momentum with a week, a part of it. It'll pick back up. I do think the Bengals, the brand, you know, just... It does feel a little like, meh. Yeah. Once the game starts, it'll be fine. But I, it doesn't feel like I'm having many Super Bowl conversations with people right now. 
Uh, did you want to talk about Trey? We haven't talked about the, our our Trey discussion. Save that for, I, for the next show, yeah. for the next pod. I think you're right. I made a note. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good. That's we ended good up going one. down the the third round comp compensatory uh, tunnel, and um, the Sunday night pod with no NFL. Yeah, but thanks to everybody for hanging. I mean, the we'll keep it rolling. So thanks for uh, thanks for rolling with us. I do think one thing this week. I think some attention has to be given to the possibility that the Bengals win in case they win. Um, but that's that's for later in the week. Yeah, I mean, the Brady thing, I mean, part of the I, – I I think as big as Super Bowl really was the first one. They were 14-point underdogs. I don't even think – is it hu- even humanly possible to have a 14-point underdog in the Super Bowl again in our life? That feels pretty – it's probably not going to happen. Because how would a team, like let's say the Eagles, well, if the Eagles would have rattled off, beating the Bucks, beating the Rams, beating the Niners, you'd be like, fuck, they're hot as shit. I mean, I, they would not be 14-point underdog to the Rams, right? Or pretty, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, part of that, right, was the Rams were just offensive. Like, you need almost that, like a team that is historic offensively, right? Well, the, you could get. the Giants were 13 points, I think. I got them at maybe 12 and a half. I mean, I was against those the greatest seven. team ever. And they were nine and seven. Just think about that. So that was the greatest Patriots team were, ever. What's that? No, it does feel like not as likely as it used to be. I don't know why I think that, but. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That that team was the greatest team ever? No, I'm just saying like, you think we'll just see over the next 10 years, like, is this the greatest team ever? It just doesn't feel like it's likely. No. I don't know. But but I mean, to, I, I think what you just described illustrates your point of how hard it is to get a 14 point favorite. That was the greatest team ever, we thought. If they win the Super Bowl, that's how we would have thought about the Patriots. And then um, the Giants were 9-7. and seven. I actually saw a bartender with a Harambe tattoo on her back yesterday. I do remember. That's that's a solid tattoo. Well, the member of the bank, what's his name from the Bengals, said it. We're doing it for Harambe. Did he say till it? H- Hubbard. I think, he's yeah, been telling Hubbard. Every, I think he's been telling everyone that. Do it for Harambe. I, d- I did not understand why everyone loved the Panthers. I didn't get that. And then when we, you and I were like in the media world downtown, I just remember seeing all their guys fucking around. And I was like, I'm betting against this team. 
And I did. And then I won a lot of money. But that was kind of crazy looking back, partly because everyone thought Peyton was shot, and he was. But you and I, I had just been doing the Raiders post game for back-to-back years. So I had gone to both the Denver games and seen them live and being like, I haven't been around the NFL that this long at the time, probably like five years. But this is, their defense, I just remember, was incredible. And people I knew on the Raiders staff were like, bro, every fucking position, every single guy they got is a pro bowler. And they, and they added DeMarcus Ware. I was like, I, their defense alone could win this game. And that's literally what happened. Their, their, their defensive line in that game was Von Miller, Hall of Famer. DeMarcus Ware, probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Then they had Malik Jackson and Wolf. It was like all four guys. Malik Jackson and Wolf both got like $70 million contracts. And the other two guys were legends. That was their defensive line. <laughs> it was like, what? And, and remember, no fly zone? It was like all their corners were sweet. Their safeties, TJ Ward, that was... I think it was like pre-Will Smith concussion. They were allowed to just kill you. So it was like they can cover and they can knock you out. Linebackers were like Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall. And even their offense, while Peyton was shot, C.J. Anderson was good. Uh, they had the one tight end basketball player who was sweet for a minute, Julius Peppers or Julius Thompson or Julius something. Thomas? Julius Thomas. R.I.P. Demarius, who was Yeah, Demar- I was going to say, I was trying to remember. They had those two guys were badasses. Emmanuel Sanders, they were just, their team, I understand, when Peyton was in his prime, I wonder if Peyton would tell you over beers, man to man, that's, you know, those couple years, were the be- those were the best teams I've ever been on, right? He didn't have, the defenses weren't that good in Indy. I mean, no, I had, they had a year. That might have been a luck year, though. Bob, the Bob Sanders... Yeah, a couple good pass rushers, but just top to bottom, that defense. Well, I mean, better. Mathis. Peyton uh, won an MVP there, though, so their offense was awesome, too. Akib, did you say Akib Tlaib? Akib, Chris Harris, and Roby. Uh, Wolf, Ware, you said Ware, and Roby, yeah. They were sweet. Uh, Ali makes the correction. 0-7 oh, Giants were... The 07 Giants were 10 and 6. The 11 Giants were the 9 and 7. The 10 and 6 Giants were the ones that beat the greatest but Patriots. I, but team. I think the 07 Giants, the 10 and 6 team, and the the team in 11, I think they were both the sixth seed. Do you know? Um, oh, do you know Cam Newton's line from the uh, Super Bowl? Which, by the way, 24 to 10, that, in my mind, that Super Bowl was like 32 to 7. I remember that game as a bigger blowout than it was. You know Cam, Cam Newton's line in that game? 18 of 41 for 265 and a pick. Well, the, the remember, the Broncos couldn't score. So. Peyton's line, 13 of 23 <laughs> for 141 and a pick. So no passing touchdowns in the game. Where the game always felt on Denver's side is Carolina couldn't move the ball. So while they only were up like 7, 10 points, Carolina could not move the ball. Remember the fumble? And, and Cam got crushed, like, bro, you didn't even really die for it. Yeah. And remember after the game, there was kind of... Was that, like, near the goal line? Or was that... I thought that was, was just like late. No, it was, yeah, but it was late in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was people were like, oh, he's making business decisions in the Super Bowl. There was, <laughs> remember, it was kind of, like, right by there, and he's like... <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for hanging, everybody. Breaking news. Huh. Kyle Shanahan has agreed... With Kyle Shanahan to become his next offensive coordinator. Is that true? Kyle's named himself the OC? Get a race? Fog City News Group just tweeted.
Oh, I saw that. That's actually a good tweet because that's the photo of Kyle and the photo of Kyle. Yeah. That was actually a very good. Uh, let me see if I can grab that. Did somebody tag us in that? How'd you see that? Probably. I, just, I mean, I, I just came across as well, but that's all right. Go Google it yourself. You're already on the internet. As I saw somebody just say to somebody else in my mentions on Twitter, Google it, bro. I mean, you're on the internet already. Some dude asked me how 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 come the Niners get a comp- compensatory pick for Mike McDaniel, and somebody in the in the thread replied, "Just Google it, bro. You're on the internet already." <laughs> well, that's a great line. That is a good line. <laughs> all right, thanks for hanging, everybody. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.